Hi, everybody. Welcome to our Hanukkah class. This is not part of any series. This is um, going to be a standalone class on Hanukkah. Thank you guys for joining. Welcome. Um, if you look at the title, this class is called Every Year's a Fire. And it's definitely related to the new song that recently came out with Yoni Z. Um, there is another song coming out, which I'm going to reference with under the Thank You Hashem label. Um, TYH Nation. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. Okay. Um, so it's Monday night. We're getting ready for Hanukkah. I already set my table, prepared the menorahs over there. I can give you a sneak peek after. Um, we're going to discuss a little bit of Hanukkah and how to prepare ourselves spiritually, um, physically. I'll let you guys do that and make your tablescape and we'll get started with Hanukkah. So there's something fascinating about Hanukkah and I think that it's something that we can all relate to now, like with the holiday season, which I hate saying the terminology of holiday season, but I think this will give us a little bit more of understanding um, as to our question. Um, and that is, what is it about Hanukkah that even the secular world accepts? Even assimilated Jews accept it, right? People who don't know other holidays, right? Like you ask them about like Sukkot, right? Like Sukkot, they know Sukkot, um, Shavuot, Purim. They're like, oh, that's the Jewish Halloween, right? But there's something about Hanukkah that is just wildly like accepted by everybody. Like you go into Home Goods and like they are literally putting out the Hanukkah decorations there to the point where I was driving with my 14 year old daughter and she's like, Ma, I love the lights. I'm like, yeah, those are not our lights. Those are Christmas lights. But, and she's like, oh, could we just like get a tree? And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, what am I doing wrong? And how can I teach my family that you can't, these, the difference between these two lights, like the Hanukkah lights and the Christmas lights, and everybody just dumps it all into this miracle of light. So what is going on with Hanukkah and what can we learn from this holiday? Um, and the fact that the rest of the world like accepts it. So when it comes to Hanukkah, we will often say that there are two miracles when it comes to Hanukkah, right? One Hanukkah, one miracle is the miracle of the war. And then there's another miracle, which is the miracle of the oil, right? Those are two of the big famous miracles. But if you think about it, really, when it comes down to it, our whole existence is a miracle, right? The fact that we are here today is a miracle. Um, the fact that the Jewish people are surviving as a miracle. Like our, like the Imahos and the Avos, like they were not able to have children. And the fact that we are here even existing, the fact that so many nations tried to destroy us, we are a miracle. We're a living miracle. Um, I'm pretty sure Shweki has a song, We Are a Miracle, right? So there's there are other miracles that have happened. There are miracles of Pesach. There are miracles of, you know, Purim. But what is special about the miracle of Hanukkah? Yes, the miracle of Hashem. Sorry, I see I'm reading the comments, right? So the fact that we are here today is a miracle. And then we have all these holidays that are sprinkled in with different miracles. And when it comes to a miracle, what we usually do is we compare a miracle to nature. Okay, so we say nature is Hashem creating the sea. And then a miracle is Hashem splitting the sea. But the fact is the creation of the sea is also a miracle in itself. We just see it as nature, right? Hashem comes into this world, 
creates many things, steps away and hides himself behind this image of nature. And then every so often when he wants to remind us that he's still here and that we're connected to him, he will throw in a miracle to the mix. He'll be like, you think you're in charge? Actually, here's a miracle. I'm in charge, right? So what is special about Hanukkah that during this time, the sages felt that we needed a miracle? And if you think about it, a few hundred years before, there was the miracle of Perm, which was instituted. So we've had other miracles in the past, and now comes Hanukkah. So in order for us to understand this a little bit further, we have to look at the time frame in which Hanukkah occurs. So there, if you would look at Jewish history, there are actually two periods to Jewish history. Okay, the first is from the time of the beginning of creation up until the destruction of the first temple. That era is called... Torah Shabbat Sab, the written Torah. And during the written Torah, there was a lot of clarity. Things were very clear. We had Nevuah, we had prophecy, we were able to speak to Hashem. And we saw when things happened, that they happened from Hashem. We saw the hand of Hashem there. So for example, when Hashem ripped open the heavens and spoke to us at Har Sinai, we were able to recognize that that was Hashem. When Hashem stopped the sun during the time of Yeshua, we were able to recognize that that miracle was from Hashem. And throughout all the wars that the Jewish people fought in order to conquer the land of Israel, we were able to see that that was Hashem. That was because that was an era of clarity. If you think about it, when Hashem spoke to Moshe, it refers to that kind of nevuah as aspaklaria mi'ira. It was clear. When things are written, you're able to understand it, you're able to see it, and you know where it's coming from. After the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash, the Jewish people reached out to Hashem and they said, you know, this, this Yitzhahara, this drive to do Avodah is so strong and it's so difficult and so hard for us. Please remove this drive for us to want to do idol worship. So Hashem said, that's okay. I'll take that away from you, but I also need to take away the power of Nevuah, the power for you to have these clear relations with me, to be able to see me, to be able to talk to me. Why? Because what we say is that the world needs to be balanced. When Hashem took away the power of the drive for black magic and for connecting to the dark world, Hashem pulled that away. Hashem had to, in order to make things even, he had to pull away that ability to have Nevuah. When we left that era, we were then taken out of the Beis HaMikdash and we were then went into Galas. And that Galas that we experienced was kind of like a bridge up until we got to the second era of the Jewish people, which is referred to as Torah Shabbat Pet, which is the oral Torah, which is not as clear. It's a little murky. It's a little bit darker. We don't understand everything. And things are kind of left up to our interpretation. So for example, Torah Shabbat Pet is still being written. We're still learning it. If somebody has an idea and they put it into a safer and they write a book, that is referred to as Torah Shabbat Pet. That is something new. That's something that we're learning. That is Chidushim. And that is the oral Torah still being learned today. Now, there was a one miracle, the miracle of Purim, that took place in between Torah Shabbat Sab and Torah Shabbat Pet. And that was the miracle of Purim. Now, Purim wasn't such a clear, straight out miracle. Purim was... You know, the Jewish people didn't necessarily associate that they made a mistake by Ahasuerus' party, going to his party, that they realized that because of that, Haman wanted to kill all the Jewish people. It wasn't clear. It was already a little bit dirty. It, not dirty, sorry. Like, not as clear. The lenses were dirty, okay? And they didn't realize. And the Purim story took place over nine years. And at the end, we realized, oh, 
those all those dots connected and now we want to put down the story of Esther and we want to make it part of Torah Shevich We want to put it in and Mordechai who was the last of the Nevi'im, Mordechai was another name for Mordechai was Malachi, he was the last of the Nevi'im, he wrote down and he recorded the story and he added Megillus Esther to Torah Shevich So that is a bridge, if you were to say, of a miracle, of a story that was put into place between those two, between Torah Shevach Sav and Torah Shevach Pet, these two eras of the Jewish people. So now, when we get thrown into that dark world of Torah Shevach Pet, things are not as clear. We have the story of Hanukkah. So we said, what's the miracle of Hanukkah? There was a miracle of the war. What's so special about the story of the war? The Hashmonaim, they were, like we say, Rabin Miyan Ma'atim. They were many, and they were they fought over a few, the, the, I'm sorry, the Greeks were many and the Hashmonaim were a few and they were able to win the war over the many Greeks. And it's, it's incredible because the Greek army was a world power. And Hashem never, if you think about it, it's so interesting, Hashem never puts us into the hands of a weak nation. Whenever the Jewish people are attacked, they're always attacked by a huge empire right? Whether it was the Babylonians, whether it was Babel, Mitzrayim, right? Yavon, eventually the Romans, right? Germans, Spain, the British, the Ottoman Turks. We were always in the hands of a huge empire. So we had this huge empire that was coming to attack us and we won the war. Small, the few within the hands. The few won the battle against the many. Now you can say that maybe that's not such a big miracle. Right? Because nowadays we see that very, very easily and very simply, a few people who have power can actually destroy many people, right? The whole idea of cancel culture, which is like such a phenomenon, right? We have celebrities who are on top of the world, who have everything going for them. And then they make a few little mistakes and people call them out, people tweet about them, and then the news just like pulls them down. So you could have somebody in the matter of a few minutes, you could have a small group of people destroying a large group of people. So it's not so crazy to see that, right? You can see how like Facebook can destroy people or social media can destroy people. So that wasn't necessarily the big part of the miracle. What was the important part of the miracle? Not that they were a few people won the war about over many people, but actually that they were Timayim Biyatahorim, that they were the impure in the hands of the pure people. When the Yavanim, when the Greeks came to attack us, they didn't come in the way that the you know Persians came, right? That like Haman and his people came. Haman in the story of Purim, they said, okay, we're coming on this and this day. We are going to slaughter all the Jews, men, women, and children. And what are you going to do about it? They wanted to actually physically kill us, right? In Mitzrayim, they made us slaves. There was physical pain, physical labor. The Yavanim, the Greeks were not like that. The Greeks said... You could live, you know, but you can't keep Shabbos and you can't keep kosher and you can't keep the Jewish calendar. So, and you can't do bris milah. So you basically, you can be alive, but you can't be a Jew. And what happened here, what was the miracle of that? What was, what was that miracle of the war is that they were tahorim, the pure people who fought against the Temeim, the impure people. What did they do? What were going on in the Hashmonim's eyes? The Hashmonim were saying, here you are. You don't want to, you, you're not putting physical sanctions on us. You're putting spiritual sanctions on us. And what we're going to do is we're going to go out to battle 
because they are trying to diminish our spirituality, because they want to get rid of who we really are as Jews, then we need to fight against them. And here comes the answer to really what Hanukkah is about. Hanukkah is really about Emunah. This idea and this concept is actually taught by Rebson Leah Cohen. She's an incredible teacher and speaker, and she taught me this lesson of Emuna. What is Emuna? Emuna believes means belief in God, right? So we have to believe in God. It's actually one of the 613 mitzvahs is to have Emuna to believe in God. And there is a certain level of Emuna that is can be acquired by intellectual knowledge, right? You can look at the world and you can say, wow. Somebody must have created this. Like, it can't be that this just came out of nowhere, right? It can't just be that a bunch of cells coming together create a human being, that you eat certain foods and it goes into your body and then your body knows how to excrete the things that it doesn't need. The whole water cycle, the respiration cycle. I mean, the whole fact that your body is working and up and going is something incredible. And just looking at that, you can have emuna. You have to believe in something, right? You can look at the Jewish people and you could say, it doesn't even make sense that they're still alive, right? So that's an intellectual approach and way of looking at Amuna, And that's granted to everybody. Anybody can have that. There's a higher level of Amuna, Amuna 2.0, which is higher than that, which is actually gifted to us. And that is a gift from Hashem that allows us to see things even more clear. And that gift comes to anybody who asks for it. And she told me this amazing idea that you can go over and you could ask Hashem for many, many physical things. You can ask him for money. You could ask him for children. You could ask him for a husband, for a wife, for a home, for clothing, whatever it is. And sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. But what we learn from here, from this concept of Emunah, and from, actually it's brought down in Ashray, it says, Karov Hashem l'chol karav. Hashem is close to anybody who reaches out to him that when you ask Hashem for a spiritual request, Hashem could never say no. Hashem will not turn down a spiritual request. And I myself, I think I've experienced this myself, where I've asked Hashem for certain things physically, you know, that I need this and I need this and I need this, but I, not necessarily was I always answered. But whenever it comes to a spiritual request, Hashem will always be there to answer you. Hashem will never turn you down. You ask to be close to Hashem, Hashem will connect himself to you. The Hashemonaim during the time of Hanukkah were realizing that they couldn't do what they were supposed to do as Yehudim. As Jewish people, they wanted to connect to Hashem. And the Greeks were not allowing them to do it. They went out to battle, to battle this idea of not having a Chal Hashem. <coughs> Excuse me. That they should not have a Chal Hashem they won't be allowed to connect to Hashem. They went out to battle for this. They said, Hashem, we want to be close to you. We want to connect to you. We're not going to let the Yavanim stop us. And we are going out to war. And because of they went out to war, a spiritual war, therefore, they were answered and they won the war. And then the other miracle is the miracle of the light. The miracle of the light, the miracle of the oil, anything, the miracle of the oil is actually like a higher, greater thing, right? We're all about like frying things and donuts and calories and latkes, right? The miracles of the oil, the miracle of the light. And what does light represent? What's the spiritual meaning behind the light and behind the oil? Right? In Hebrew, shemen is the word for oil. Shemen comes from the root of shmona, which means eight, right? Eight crazy nights. Eight, <coughs> excuse me, 
the oil rises up, right? Anytime you make a salad dressing, you mix in a bunch of things, the oil, you shake it up, right? And eventually the oil will rise to the top. Oil represents Shemin, which is Shmona, which is above. When a Jewish baby has a bris mila, it's on the eighth day, right? Because it's above nature. Seven, the number seven represents nature, and eight is supernatural, anything above nature. So we have here the miracle of the oil. The oil is the light. They try to diminish the light, and we are now shining the light to show them that, no, we won this war. We have the spiritual requests of Hashem, the requests that we've had being answered, and now we go out and we light our menorah. And when we established this holiday of Hanukkah, it was very, very important because it was in a time where it could have been very dark. I mean, it was about to get very dark. After the, the Galas of Yavan, we go into a very deep, dark Galas of the Galas of Edom, right? The Galas Romi. The Romans come out and they destroy the second base of Mithrash. And we're still in Galas for today. So Hashem says, before you go, before you go into that deep, dark place, I want to give you one last holiday. And this is the last holiday. After that, it's sealed up. There's no more holidays recorded into the Torah. And why did he want to give us this one last holiday forever, for a lifetime? Because he said, because this is not just for you right now during the time of the Hashmonam with the oil. This is for you, for your children, and for all future generations. And the fact that we till, still, till this day, Hanukkah has such an effect on everybody in this world that everybody accepts it. You go into any hotel lobby and there's a, you know, a Christmas tree and a Hanukkah menorah is because when you fight and request a spiritual request, Hashem could never say no. Hashem is there with you throughout, no matter what. Throughout this galas, Hashem is going to be there with you. Um, it's interesting because Hanukkah always falls... Um, in the darkest time of the year, and also during the partios of the story of Yaakov and Yosef, and Yosef being sold, and Yosef being sent down to Mitzrayim. And you know, Yaakov had a pretty hard life, right? He had a lot of difficulties, and it says that Yaakov had four difficulties, and those four difficulties are um, actually a remez, a hint to the four exiles that the Jewish people experienced. So we had, he had difficulties with Esau, he had difficulties with Lavan, with Dina, the story of Dina being taken and raped, and then the story of Yosef, where Yosef, he thought, died, right? And there was so much darkness, so much darkness. But all that darkness with Yosef eventually led the Jewish people of that time, Yaakov and his 12, and his 12 sons and their wives and children, to live in Mitzrayim. And they lived in Egypt, and they lived there for 17 years very peacefully. Those 17 years are actually compared to what it would be like during the times of Mashiach. It was so incredible and it was so amazing that during that time period, it was so, um, like, I would say blissful that, that all that darkness that he had led up to this moment of it finally being peace, of it finally being calm and good for the Jewish people. And then eventually they were taken into, you know, exile of, of, of the Egyptians. But up until then, he lived a good during, a, lived during a good time. And what it teaches us is that you're about to go into this deep, dark place that we don't understand, but I want you to take a light with you, to take a candle to bring along with you. And um, it says that each and every single one of us as Jewish people have 
a little bit of a fire inside of us. And this is the song, thank you Hashem, I put out with Yoni Z. And the song is every Yid's a fire. Every Jew has that Pintala Yid inside of them, that little flame that was put there, that they are always going to be connected to Hashem. And it's brought down the Chazal, it says, Vahaya beis Yaakov le'esh, ubeis Yosef lahava. That beis Yaakov, Yaakov is compared to a fire. And Yosef is considered to a lahava, to a flame, to a wick that will take that fire through the generations. Hashem is telling us during the time of Hanukkah, you're about to go into something so dark. It's so, so scary. But I want you to know that inside of you, every yid's a fire. Every one of you have the ability to light up your homes during the difficult times. And you only need a little bit of light to dispel a lot of darkness, right? If you think about it, if you shut all your lights and you just light one menorah, one candle, even that one candle will light everything up. Um, I'll give you a drop, a little bit of a hint. There is going to be another song coming out. Um, thank you, Hashem. And Zusha is going to be a collab. Um, I don't even know if I was allowed to say that. Um, but the words are, it's dark outside, but it's light in here. You know what? It's dark out there. It's really, really dark. I don't know if it's the elections or if it's just raising children during this time, during this age, or all the suffering that people have experienced during Corona or anything. It's dark out there. It's really, really dark. But the idea is that it's light inside. Inside here, inside our hearts is a fire burning. And we need to take that fire and we need to remind ourselves that Hashem will never say no to our spiritual requests, just like with the Hashemunan, that they went out to battle and they fought the war and they fought it. And the reason that we have it for generations, generations, because Hashem could not say no to that level of amuna. that level of amuna they were gifted with is something that we have for future generations. And just going back to the beginning, when I was thinking about all these miracles, you know, every holiday is there to remind us of a different miracle, to wake us up, to stir us, to be like, you know, it's not that bad. Hashem is watching you. What's the miracle during the darkest time of the year, right? January, uh, December 21st is the winter solstice, the darkest time of the year. What's the idea? The idea here during this dark time is to know that you have a fire inside of you. You have a light inside of you that you're going to keep for you, for your children, for future generations. Hashem gifted that to us. That's a level of emuna, And that's what's going to carry us through the rest and eventually bring us to the times of Mashiach. Um, so thank you so much for joining. I'm going to look at the comments over here and see if anybody has any questions. Um, yes, mommy071670. Yes, it's very dark. And yes, thank you, Hashem, for helping us see and find the light. Like, that's literally what it's about. If you just listen to that song, uh, Every is a Fire by Yoni Z, it's, it's a tefillah. It's not just the song. It's really a tefillah, and it's reminding us that Hashem gave us this inside of us and we have this fire and we really can illuminate. We, our role here is to be lamplighters. There was a school actually in Brooklyn, I think it, I think it shut down, Montessori Bay School, which was called Lamplighters. And that idea, the whole, um, the whole idea behind that name, Lamplighters, is that we are torchbearers. We are supposed to illuminate the world. That's what we're here for. Um, do you want to see my tablescape? Um, yeah, you know what? Why don't you DM me and I'll send you a tablescape. Um, are people still meeting at Temple despite the stay-at-home order? You miss the community. I know, it's very sad. We do miss people. Um, but God willing, this will soon be all over and um, the Sheikh will be here very soon. So thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us and check out that song um, and have a wonderful night. Take care.